Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 554. I'm joined by Tim Key. He's one of my favourite humans. I find him absolutely hilarious. I love talking to him. Um, I've had him on the podcast previously. I've listened to him on pretty much every podcast he's ever been on. If you've heard Tim on podcasts before and you're a fan, then this is the episode for you because we don't go over any of his his go-to stories. Not his go-to, the go-to stories that podcasters will bring up to him. We take it in a little different direction. But yeah, I I think I tweeted this. During lockdown, I had a good think of who I think are my the three funniest people in England. And I'm just realising as I say this, I didn't put Stuart Lee in there, which I probably should have. But the list I came up with, consistently the people that make me laugh the most, was Bob Mortimer, Lou Sanders and Tim Key. I just find all three hilarious. I could hear them talk for hours. I have heard them talk for hours. Tim, during lockdown, speaking of lockdown, wrote two books. He used Thought as a Wife and Here We Go Round the Mulberry Book. They're collections of poems and conversations from outside and from inside. And they're fantastic. And as a real tribute to how much I adore them, I'm going to make my return to spoken word right now. I've not done any spoken word in years, probably seven years. No, I did the the live version of the Distraction Pieces album, didn't I? So probably a couple of years. Um, But I'm going to return now and I'm going to read one one of my favourites. I've just flicked through and grabbed one that was a favourite from one of the two books, because I recommend them both. So Buddy Peace, if you want to put some kind of nice chilled piano music under this, you're welcome to, but, you know, you don't have to. This one's called Vacancy. I set up formal interviews. Household sat before me, balloting for my services. They wanted me, these folk. They wanted me in their bubbles. Some had put together PowerPoint presentations. Others bought me gifts, leather jackets, exotic perfumes, taxidermy. There was often desperation coming from the other side of the trestle table. Desperation for my signature. There we go. Short and sweet and not delivered to any level of the calibre that Tim would have delivered it to. But I thought it might be fun to have a Scroobius Pip version of a Tim Key piece. Anyway, this is an amazing episode. I think you're all going to love it. Tim's brilliant. I recommend both the books. We also talk a little No More Jockeys. We got a bit of an origin story that I didn't know. So... No More Jockeys, if you've not watched it, is the best thing on YouTube. Start at the beginning, if I were you. It's a hell of a ride. In fact, as I recalled this, it's a rainy day that's cancelled my plans. And I was just about to watch something on, on Prime. But now I'm thinking I might restart No More Jockeys from the beginning. Because that feels like a great rainy day treat. As ever, we're brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. You can get umbrellas over there and sunglasses all designed by me and perfect for a British summer. You can also head over to patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip or catch me on twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pip. Yo, I'm, lo- I'm loving being on Twitch. I've been made a partner. I'm doing loads of crazy things. The main games I'm playing over there at the moment are a gas station simulator where I'm, I'm running a petrol station. 
That's literally what I'm doing. I'm sitting on Twitch and I'm running a petrol station. And I'm also doing Saturday morning wrestling. I've created a character called Bernard Down, who is five foot of fire. I'd love you all to meet him. You can watch them all on the on the view on demand, completely free, on my Twitch page. So yeah, if you get the Twitch app or go to the website, look me up. You can watch anything there for free and you can catch all my live streams. Anyway, let's stop rambling on. This is episode 554. In fact, if this is your first time tuning in, previous guests include Tim Key. They also include Alex Horn. I mentioned Stuart Lee earlier. I mentioned Lou Sanders earlier. They've both been on. I've had loads of guests. I don't need to list them, do I? Richard Herring comes up in conversation here. I've had James Acaster on, I've had Ed Gamble on, and I've had Ed Gamble and James Acaster on getting drunk with me and two of my mates on a on one of the, the lockdown drunk casts. I tell you what, if we do another Zoom lockdown drunk cast, another Zoom drunk cast, I should get a Tim Key on. Maybe Alex and, and Mark. But, but yeah, had loads of good people. Anyway, this is episode 454 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with a wonderful Tim Key. I've pressed record. What's the have I, mate? This is fantastic. So I can close the lid of my laptop that I'm yes, furious with. You, you can angrily cl- close close your laptop lid. I'm furious with it. I, I mean, I can tell. Yeah. Well, well, I am. Now, should I be able to hear myself as well? Not really. No, you shouldn't be able to hear yourself. That's okay. That would be a negative. <laughs> um, well, we've started, obviously, classic podcast manner. I'm here today with Mr. Tim Key. How are you, mate? Other than all the technical stress. No, good, actually. Thanks for asking. I mean, I hope that doesn't cloud at least the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of our chat. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> you, you, you've had a nightmare from what from what I've heard. What, career-wise? Our original plan was, I'll get you on here and I'll talk you through all the technical stuff. You couldn't even get on here for 10 minutes, so... <laughs> no, and I, and, I, and I actually factored in. I factored everything in. I've been at, at this for about 35 minutes now. I mean, that's stressful. Let's move on from it. I don't want you to be in a stressful place. How's the rest of your day been going before the stress came in? How was it? Stressful. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had to try and, I'm trying to fill out a form because I need to go to um, Mallorca. Oh, the, and those forms aren't easy to do, mate. They're not easy to do, Scroob. I don't know. So let me just try and think of something that's been stress-free today. I had a grapefruit. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. can come with stress sometimes, can't they? <laughs> as long as your grapefruit consumption is stress-free, that's a blessing at least. Do you, do, you, do you ever partake in a grapefruit? I'm not a grapefruit guy, no. I'm not big on fruit in general. I like my veg. I've grown right. to like my veg. No, not big on the fruit. I tend to get my fruit needs from, like, ju- ju- juices and shots because I, I just don't, I don't get into the real deal. Mm. Well, I like a grapefruit, you know, I'd probably have, I would say, a grapefruit every um, every week. I mean, I don't eke it out across the week, but... <laughs> Do you make uh, it last? A, <laughs> a bite each morning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, it, it makes me feel good to have a grapefruit. There's something healthy about it, and they're so kind of 
I, I don't know whether you've maybe written them off too early, or but I suppose you're all fruit, aren't you? Yeah. But they're quite I'm... a kind of voluptuous fruit, the grapefruit. How do you feel about... And basically, um, you've got... I want to talk to you about your two lockdown books. I've got them oh. right here. Okay. They're beauties, and we will mm-hmm. get into that. The books of social restriction... Mm-hmm. He used thought as a wife, and here we go around the mulberry bush. I, I want to talk about no more jo- jockeys, the mm-hmm. the the game of social restriction. Um, I want to talk about w- witch finder, which has got n- very little to do with with social restriction, I'd imagine. Hmm. But before we get into that, I thought we'd spend thirty to sixty minutes doing a quick rundown of every podcast you've ever been on. Does that okay. um, does that sound yeah. good to you? I'd be happy to do that. Yep. I assume I assumed we'd start with this. I jumped in quite quickly there because um, I've been almost offended at the at the amount of times on podcasts that you bring up running and people act as if they're surprised that you're into running. <laughs> There's been at least oh. two or three, which is very rude. I think you seem like a, a the, the the running type. Well, it's not inconceivable, is it? No, it's not. It came to mind because you said, you know, a grapefruit makes you feel healthy and it's nice to feel a bit healthy. And I'd imagine, you know, a run, a bit of a bit of physical movement all make you feel a bit nice and healthy. I, I find that on stage sometimes where, you know, I, I sometimes say that I've done something and I just look at across at this crowd of people going, are you sure you've done that? And, then, and the thing that I've said isn't like I've lifted a, an atlas ball or something like that. It's that I've, I've done a 5K or something and people are like, really? I shouldn't have thought <laughs> so. Yeah, you. As if, as if I'm a sort of, you know, you know, a sort of 90-year-old Spike Milligan figure telling them that I've just done a 5K. <laughs> I wonder what is it about you that doesn't make people think of running? I guess it's the poetry and comedy and stuff, you know. Well, it, it's got to be either poetry, comedy, or just my sort of shape, I'm starting to think. But there's nothing wrong with my shape. I don't think there's... I genuinely don't think there's anything wrong with your shape. There's people I would... Be honest with if they told me they were into to running, I'd say, "Well, tell your shape. You, you, your shape isn't aware, but maybe it's time you mentioned a couple of those by name." <laughs> okay. Well, actually, actually, I, I've I've got one. I've got a friend, Stuart Whiff, who runs a runs a wonderful podcast. He's done marathons, and it shocks me. And it's not because he's terribly out of shape; it's because he's similar to me. I'm long. Yeah. Running does not agree with me. It does my knees in. It makes me feel terrible. He's one of us big long lads that I'd I'd instantly say, "Oh, you've done a merit, really?" And it wouldn't be an insult at his age or his weight, anything like that. You know, is he exactly the same shape as you? Because I've met someone recently who's the same shape as me. Oh, really? Who did you? Who was the same shape as you? Uh, Alan Mustafa from uh, People Just Do Nothing, Super. Yes, and we we did a job together, and um, we were in Italy. We went to the uh, swimming baths. And uh, we uh, we took our clothes off, and uh, he's like in a Shakespearean play where they meet their twin. Yeah, Super just look, he just looked at me and went, "Huh, same shape." I love it. I love it. It <laughs> makes it's like that Spider Man meme of two yeah. Spider Men po- pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah, you, you and Alan in in your in in your kecks just pointing at each other's matching bodies. We couldn't believe it. Yeah. We could barely we could barely concentrate on our swim. What a wonderful place to start on our podcast, unless it's the Chatting Shit podcast with um, <laughs> yeah. Seeper and Hugo. I did do that, yeah. 
That was in lockdown. You caught me off guard there because I didn't know you'd work together and you were, were, were so familiar. But for some reason, you're not, you and, and Seeper aren't people I would have expected to cross paths. I think I, I know he doesn't come from stand up and things like that. So it, it was a, yeah. it, it was a wonderful surprise. But you worked on a, you did a, a job together. We did a job, yeah. We did a, uh, a romantic comedy in, in, <laughs> in, in Rome about three years ago. I love and it. Uh, we hit it off. He's a he's a good person to do a job with. He just he does his research so you don't have to. So immediately you're going around town having the best pizza. He's a foodie, he's culinary. Yeah. He hunts the places down so you don't have to. He's a good person to hit it off with. The first time I had him on my podcast, moments after that, we're sending each other voice notes. Yeah. We're, we're recommending TV shows to each other. And it seems everyone I know that's met him has done exactly the same, has, has really hit yeah. it off. He's, he's a, 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 a lovable guy. Oh, he's fantastic. Very funny. W- weirdly, that, that wasn't on my list of podcasts that we're going to go through and analyse, though. Have you got anything okay, you'd well, like to, to focus on? Let's strike that off. Um, what do you, are you talking about ones that I particularly enjoyed, for example? Just, just appeared on Don't Care just, About just, Your just, Enjoyment. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, should we start with Off Menu? That's a big hitter, isn't it? Off Menu. Hated doing that. Did, 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 did you hate that? <laughs> well, no, I didn't hate it, but the problem is I don't really like those two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very unlikable, actually. They are, they are. They're kind of the anti-seepers, if you Yeah, if, they if, really if will. are. And totally, totally different shape from me. <laughs> Could not be further from your <laughs> shape. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed doing that one. Have you done it? Uh, yes, I was the first ever guest. I was the first ever. That's fantastic. Well, I'll listen to that then. I kicked it um, all off. Well, they were a mess. They didn't know what they were doing. The format was was loose. You you came on at the right time, mate. They knew what they were doing by then. Oh, they were the archetypal well-oiled machine when I went on there. They're the, they're businessmen. Yeah, they're like they're going to work. They're it's like, it's like you're, you're meeting these two people that they've 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 run this place for the last thirty years. Absolutely, it's, fanta- it's absolutely fantastic. You're in safe hands with those two, believe me. Do you remember your? Uh, do you remember your choices? I remember everything I've said on all of these podcasts. Well, Don't worry about that. It's a good job I've made some notes then. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, <laughs> what do you want to ask me? I want to know. I mean, we'll work through. Did you yeah. go for sparkling or still water? Sparkling. Next. Do you, remember, do you remember how it was presented to you? Presented to me in a water wheel. A water wheel. This is amazing. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, I don't need to ask Papa Doms or Bread because of, of Shall I Be Mother. That was obviously a, a takeaway moment. You're not going to forget that, right? I'm not going to forget that. I, often people um, get in touch with me on Twitter and say, Shall I Be Mother? And they're sending me pictures of them smashing Papa Doms and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, I don't know quite how to react. So I just uh, I look at these things and think, well, fantastic. And then move on. <laughs> oh, it's what, the, it's what the like button was made for, isn't it? I've got no response. I'll give that a like. It, I mean, it's pretty good, some of these. And also, it's, complete, it's based on a complete fabrication yep. where those two men, I think it's James Acaster and Ed Gamble? Yep, I believe so. They created this idea that I say, shall I be mother and smash poppadoms? And I totally am willing to accept that I've smashed the odd stack of poppadoms here and there, but not with the clarion call. Yeah, it's become a... It's, I mean, you've got a an unchosen catchphrase there now, which... Uh... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd happily accept, you know, my, my catchphrases if they're chanted back at me, but that's just not one of my catchphrases. It is now. 
Um, and what was your starter? Do you remember your starter? Starter would have been... It's a goodie. Oh, is it? Oh, now mm. then. What would my starter have been? I suppose the best way of thinking of, about that is what is my favourite starter? Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> Christ, can I come back to the starter? Yep, oh, you my can God. come back to the, the starter. Oh, got it. Yeah, but, yeah baked camembert. Baked camembert, classic. Um, and your main? Oh, my main is a chicken charcuterie. Of course it is. I've, I've looked this up because you spoke about it so highly. I've never had one. Fantastic. Really nice. Have you had one since you looked it up? Or are you... none, of, none of my locals provide it. Ah, that's a problem. But do you feel like you might be on the verge of your first one? 100%. As soon as I get the chance, and this is an interesting one, actually, because I had my first curry... In my twenties, yeah, I was in my, in my at least in my twenties before my first curry. I'm a, v- a very mild curry man, yeah. So I don't stray too much, but I'm willing to stray and I'm willing to not enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's the important. It's the important thing with a lot of a lot of the stuff in in um, Indian restaurants is it's finding a balance, isn't it, between having some stuff, especially if there's quite a lot of people. I, I often have curry with uh, Alex Horn and. Uh, He's got this mad technique in curry houses where he just goes for one that he thinks he'll definitely like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, then, it's, uh, it's a technique I'm familiar yeah. with, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, people do do that. And then I'm sort of looking through the menu and there's these various adjectives that I'm sort of, I shouldn't really be drawn towards, but they're things like, you know, um, spicy or horrific or sharp. this could be a problem. It's sharp, yeah. Citric. And I'm just like... Yeah, fine. I've never really had one that's got like a sort of whole, um, uh, you know, parsnip in it. Let's give it a whirl. <laughs> and then they come and then me and Horn are looking at each other and there's this kind of, you know, good, the bad and the ugly sort of standoff where I just want to go into his. <laughs> He's like, no, I've got this for a reason. But the reason is he just wants to have a nice, a nice dinner. Yeah, he doesn't want the risk. He doesn't want the chance. Well, I think, you know, whereabouts are you based these days, Scrooge? Um, I'm in Essex. Well, you're not a million miles away from London, are you? So maybe no. there's a maybe there's a shakuti in your in your not too distant future. Yeah, I might have to go to the Indian that you mentioned on the Moon Under the Water podcast. We'll get to that. We're we're a live sitar player. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, so uh, your side. So my side was a um, a kind of people haven't really got to the bottom of this, but there's been a lot of poking around with people trying to help me out because I didn't know what it was. But it's a sort of a kind of art, uh, what was it, an artichoke? Yeah. A yeah. Jerusalem artichoke, I think, which has been either deep fried or baked or something's happened to it. Cooked, certainly. Yeah. And and I remember having it in um, in a square in uh, Rome. On a in different, Rome. Different Rome trip. And just sort of um, pulling off the fronds and eating it and then um, having a, a, a glass of... Um, Italian beer, I suppose, like a sort of Peroni or something. You know, you suggested a beer Moretti, but we'll take I'll take Peroni and an Italian cigarette, of course. Yeah, I had an Italian cigarette. Vogue, I think it was, actually, in the end. Um, I, I've realised I've skipped something. I made a note that my phone auto-corrected Poppadoms to Pip Adonis, if that's... Pip Adonis. Uh, yeah. That's very interesting, because I'm nice, working at the it? moment... Oh, well, I'm working with a Pip Adonis at the moment. <laughs> You're working with a Pip Adonis at the moment. Well, I think I am. I think it's the closest I could say to, to working with a Pip Adonis. As in, I'm, I'm currently, I've got a small part in Great Expectations, and the chap who plays Pip is very good looking. Very much an Adonis. Yeah, so I think I that's the closest it. I'll ever get to working with a Pip Adonis. I love it. I'm, ver- I'm very excited for, for that. Your drink was? Wow, I don't know my drink. Wow, wee. You'll probably have one on the t- on the twenty fifth, I'd imagine. 
Oh, as simple as that. It's a kingfisher. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> it's a kingfisher. Of course it is. And we'll round off with your dessert. Come on, let's have it. My dessert was a banoffee pie that I eat around. Yeah. I eat around the cream. 100%. I, now, I've I've always had issue with banoffee. I think mm-hmm. banoffee opened the door for Brangelina, for Jedward. Oh, for I don't like that. all the future. Um, what's that called? You... Um, is it called a portmanteau? It's sort of that portmanteau, sort of thing, that's it? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't stand it. Yeah, you don't like that? No. Is there one, do you think, do you think I'll be able to think of one which you do like? I think you'd be hard pushed. Oh, really? Oh, that's a shame. Uh, and also, I can't think of one, I don't think. No, no. Oh, um, a Champagne's. No, not having it. <laughs> I'm not having it in the slightest. <laughs> um, the other note I made was if Sean, if, if, if Horn Should Fall was, yeah. was, was, was another, you know, a highlight. So this is, as I said, this is a podcast that's simply a recap of other podcasts yeah, you, you've been great. on. Where do you want to go next? We've got Taskmaster. We've got Moon Under the Water. We've got a lot. Um, well, I enjoyed um, both of those. I mean, we've got Walking the Dog with Emily Dean. We're, we're, we're going everywhere, mate. I think I, I, I can't. I, I haven't listened to that one back. Do you remember the the name of the dog? Her dog. Yeah. Flipper now. She's going to be furious. Is it Carl? No. Nope. It's a small dog. Yeah. Speck. 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 I'm trying to think of a small... What What is that dog called? What does it begin with? Oh. Is it Ray? Raymond? Raymond, there we go. Yeah. It's Raymond. He weighs about six pounds. Doesn't like water. I don't know if you remember these, these specific no, I details. I don't, I don't remember any of these details. I can't remember what I was doing with Emily Dean. I, it, I, it was just before I did something. I know that's quite a vague thing to say on your podcast. It is. You, yeah. you walked around <laughs> Hampstead Heath. You talk quite a bit about Carol and Bill. The uh, the pirate and the schoolmaster. Um, wow, yeah, saw them last week. T- t- touched upon Bridget and Alan, but but mainly Carol and Bill. Yeah, how are they? How are? How, how well, they are came Carol and saw, Bill? They came and saw my my um, my latest stage show, yeah. and uh, so they hadn't seen me live for about maybe about four years, something wow. like that, way before the pandemic. Uh, they were great, but I mean, I mean, as always, my mum was. Uh, you know, she she made some comments about the um, colourful language. I mean, there was I I knew it was as I was doing it. I knew that it was more colourful than usual. Sometimes it can go that way when you know your parents are in there. I was going to say, did you know that before they came, or when you when they're in the crowd, you realise, oh, this is colourful. As we were going along, I was thinking that the problem is there's some colourful language in the content of the show, in the in the um, in the poems and things. Right. Yeah. So. I realised in the first 15 minutes that there might be a problem here because I'd called someone a cunt a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and I realised as we went along that if I improvise <laughs> and say that word, then I leave myself nowhere to go because I do, I've got a lot that I have to say. You've got there's it scripted. Lot, there's a lot still in there. The scripted ones must stay. And I remember as I was reading one poem out, <laughs> thinking, I could see it coming up and just thinking... I need to. I need to get rid of. That. I need to dodge around that, and so I think I might have managed to change one or two. But it's difficult in the heat of battle, isn't it? Yeah, you don't want it to affect the uh, the the uh, the show as such. So basically, the conversation I had with my parents afterwards, I'd been having for about the last thirty minutes of my show in my head anyway. So <laughs> I sort of I sort of knew exactly what I had to say when we were talking about it. It's absolutely f- f- 
fine, really. I, I remember I've had conversations with my dad where he's felt that some of the, the language in my music or whatever else is a bit colourful. Yeah. But then I've also had conversations with him going, no, nah, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm fine with a bit of that, aren't I? I don't mind. Yeah. It's very confusing, both sides. What's quite funny is I, I just sort of became aware, it creeps up on you when your parents start to get a little bit older. But, I mean, my dad's 79 now, and actually when he first saw me, he would have been, well, in his 50s. Amazingly, just about. So it's quite funny, and, and there's not really many. Just other to be 70... clear, when he first saw you live, right? Yeah, live. Yeah. Not when he you first seen... saw you. <laughs> no, I've seen photos. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, he'd heard my good audience, things. he's good things. Yeah, he'd seen me on Partridge. But you, you see, if, you, if I look out as my audience, they are they do buck the trend slightly. I mean, I don't have an audience which is like tons and tons of seventy-nine-year-olds. So it is quite. It is quite funny having them sort of, you know, gradually growing old. To be fair, very gracefully, but as as the as the show kind of stays roughly the same, and also the audience demographic stays roughly the same, and they're yeah. just sort of, it's a sort of slow. Um, it's a type of photography where you see the the changing of the seasons. It's a long of, exposure. Long explo long exposure. Yeah, long exposure. <laughs> long exposure. Long exposure. Where you have an audience where gradually there's two people in it that just get whiter and whiter and whiter. <laughs> yeah. in, in in my long exposure photograph. How, how how have you have you found any changes in your audience since Partridge and stuff like that? Because obviously you've always had a really loyal fan base. Like you've, yeah. you've re- like the fringe and things like that. I've always known you as having people who like you. You'll have people who come along regularly. You know, they yeah. come and see each show, all that kind of thing. It's not, re- it's not so much a oh, here's the marketing campaign for this new one. It's pulled people in or whatever. If you know what I mean. But has yeah. that changed much? Have you? Do, do, uh, do you feel you've got people who shouldn't be there, who should be there? No, no, I'm I'm lucky like that. I I, I feel very lucky that. Um, yeah, I've had an audience from like around about well, from doing Edinburgh, so sort of two thousand and two thousand and seven. Really, I, I sold. A show out, you know, with that's just me on stage, and it is kind. Of, yeah, I do feel lucky that to then those people coming to a second show and a third show. So I mean, I guess I, that there's a nice mixture of some people who are younger who have found me along the way at some point, and that could have been from Partridge or, you know, cropping up in TV shows and things like that. But they can come from anywhere, really. But then there's the sort of people who are kind of roughly my age, who a bit like this podcast where you're telling me about my appearances on podcasts. They tell me about my um, shows that I, that my show that I did in Lancaster. And I'm like, I don't, I've got a very vague recollection mm-hmm. and they're telling me that they sort of were on my stage and, you know, holding my drink and stuff like that. But the main, the main thrust of your question is there's no, um, there's no downside. There's no sudden element of a rogue marauding mass of people who come into my show who come in on the basis of one thing and then i give them something different yeah yeah that's good news that's good I, they can I'll... be pleasantly surprised because they can there's definitely people who've watched me on telly and then they think oh we'll watch him because we've heard of him but have no idea what i'm what my act will be yeah and that's quite a good thing because so long as they don't hate it it means that you, you get that energy in the room where there's some people who are you know seeing something for the first time and, and finding it fun on that basis i always remember when we were at the fringe having a drink in a courtyard and my mate Ollie 
was up, who's a sound man. He was up to record my show for me. He was a big fan of yours. He was very excited to meet you. He said hello and instantly poured a pint over you. He poured a pint over me? He poured a pint over you, yeah. Instant instant in, introduction. It didn't go it didn't go well. Did he do it deliberately? No, no, it was a, it was a mistake. It was it was <laughs> in excitement. Sound, you were very polite like about it. Sounds like a mistake. It. Yeah, I always am. That happens th- three or four times a week. I get I get pints thrown on me. R- rattling through walking the dog with, with Emily Dean. The dogs you met along the way were Harry, Harry Pippin and Marty. Mm-hmm. Do you remember anything Fine. about Harry Pippin and Martin? No, I think when it comes to sort of meeting people over the last sort of ten years, I struggle to remember all of them. So when we get down to the dogs, I think I can sort of give myself a slight pass there. But I don't remember any of those dogs. Pippin was a working dog. The guy kept saying a working dog. You could, you could just say yeah. sh- sheepdog. He, he he really liked the term oh. working dog. Kept saying he's a working dog. His mum's a working dog. He's a working dog. Did Emily Dean sort of identify as a sheepdog? I mean, I couldn't really tell you whether it was definitely a sheepdog. I mean, big shock then for you. You identified it as a sheepdog. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently it was m- m- moving in a pattern around you and kind of hoarding the three of you together. So, yeah, great identification oh. from Key there. That's amazing. Oh, really? It rounded us up. Yeah. Was it? Did, did it come at a good moment? Did you find that me and Emily were sort of drifting apart slightly in the podcast before we? It, we it found was the him? perfect moment. The, that sh- sh- sheepdog was a, a, a star of the sh- of the show. I think. Well, we'll move on now onto the moon underwater. Sure. There's a good you. You chat about shows that you could have been on but weren't on. Remember mm. any of the ones you would have picked? What would you see yourself as? Well, I was quite pleased because I picked ghosts. Uh, yep. Ghosts. And I was quite pleased with that, because I think that does sound like in my wheelhouse. The th- thick of it was in there, Celebrity Bake Off, all things that you'd go, yeah, I reckon I reckon. <laughs> celebrity was in Celebrity Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else do you think I could have been in? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I would have said Peep Show, but you were in yeah. Peep Show. That's how it all came about. Yeah, yeah, I was in Peep Show. Maybe I've done all the You've been in Stafflet's Flats now, haven't you? You're in the most yeah. recent series of that, so... Yeah. Would it be impossible for me to crop up in Death in Paradise? No. No, I don't <laughs> think it would. I think it would be a nice surprise. I'd also be happy to see you in Doc Martin. <laughs> I love Cornwall. I'd be very happy to see you <laughs> popping along in Doc Martin, having a quick interaction with clones yeah yeah that's perfectly possible isn't it i'm just trying to think that it's a good game isn't it I, oh, what else? It really i mean is. there's got to be others i thought i could have cropped up in blandings you know the pg woodhouse um yep. adaptation yeah I'd, I'd like to crop up in a, in a pg woodhouse adaptation at some point is there anything you've auditioned for that you thought you were a really good fit for and you didn't you didn't end up in no i'm bad at auditions but I did do a really good audition for um, Sherlock once. Oh, I could see you in Sherlock. Yeah, but it didn't go my way. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out a very young Tim Key was in the office, you know. You know what? I would have loved that. Wouldn't that have been something? I was too uh, young at that point. Oh, well, I wasn't too young. I would have been about 23. Mm. But the point was I hadn't started doing it. I think if the office had been made... Ten years later, I might have got myself seen for it. Yeah. But I, I had a friend from um, university who was who was in it. And uh, I sometimes see... I saw her recently, actually. And she's... Um, I think she's still, you know, 
getting the uh, <laughs> getting the paychecks. <laughs> I think it's actually quite a lucrative thing to have been in the office. Oh, genuinely, yeah. I guess it's yeah. constantly played, isn't it? She used to sit next to Keith. Oh, amazing. Yeah. The, my one is always um, Peaky Blinders. Oh, 100%. It would have made sense. And weirdly, I got in the last season, but it clashed with something else, so um, I didn't That's get to fantastic. do it. Fantastic. What, 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 did it, what did it clash with? Um, I was doing a show called Debris in, in Vancouver for NBC, so I had a big role in that, and it was kind of, yeah. This is amazing. They weren't having it to say, oh, I'd, again, you wouldn't believe the amount I argued, saying, no, we can make it work, I'll fly back. And I had to turn around and go, look, mate, it's one scene. <laughs> you, oh, no. You've got no dialogue, or, or you've got one line or something. It's like, we're not bending over backwards to... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Scrooge, I wouldn't mind hearing the line. I can't remember it. Can you dig it out? I don't think I can. Let me have a little look. <laughs> Let's have we, a look. We, we, we're going like to hear, like hear Scroobius's line. We're going to find out. I'm going to just check my emails. Check your email. What do you think they've emailed again today saying what your line would have been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can email it to you if you want. Hang on. I wonder, I wonder if really. you'll find it. Oh, oh no, good. A few things came up there, but it's people who were pitched for me. No. I wonder if... Shall I see if I can find my... Um... Oh, I don't want to... I'm on airplane mode. Let's yeah. not mess with that. I just came off airplane mode and it was mayhem. Um... I can't come off airplane mode. I can get... No, I can't use my iPad because I'm using that. God, it's amazing, isn't it? We don't have enough devices in our lives. I've always said that. Yeah, it's completely true. Well, I mean, let's quickly go through... Do you remember the um, anatomy of the lash? You gave basically a run-through of, of, Ooh, of the order of a lash. Sorry, I've just got Amazon here. One second. Oh. At least we can open it live. We can talk about my Amazon podcast. Hang on. All over it. So Tim Key has gone to uh, get an Amazon order. We're going to open it live. <laughs> Hello. What have we got here? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Yeah. This uh, this one feels like a book. It could be a body language book. I bet you've read this book. All right, let's have it. Save the Cat, I haven't. Tell me about Save the Cat. We're now jumping into the My Mate Bought a Toaster podcast, which featured a, two, a two-parter with Tim Key. We're in that territory, aren't we? Big episode, as it was obviously the, um, the unveiling of the new opening music. I'm sure you were, were very aware acutely that's why i did it i'm assuming you've got a new theme tune that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah exactly so, so what is this come on well this is a book which i think it's been in my i think i've heard of it at some point but um it's the sort of definitive screenwriter's book you know oh really um how to write a screenplay and i was out with my old agent who's now a writer last night and she mentioned this book and i and she mentioned something along these lines and i said oh have you read any of those books, you know, that tell you how to do it? And she said, well, yeah, I've read Save the Cat. And I said, is it good? And she said, to be honest, it is really good. So you have to give that a read. Well, I'm going to give it a go. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's because she said that you need to have... If you've got a character who's going to do some bad stuff and you want to show their human side, you make them save a cat early right. in proceedings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think that's where that phrase comes from. And so, yeah, this is the, the book about, about, about screenwriting. Yeah, well, the other thing I'm going to open... <laughs> I know what's inside here. What is it? 
<laughs> this is great, this stuff. Well, I was at, the, I was at um, London Bridge yesterday and uh, about to board a train and I wanted a, 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 a snack and uh, I couldn't... Um, I didn't want... I've got a bit of a sweet tooth at the moment so I'm eating a lot of chocolate. And then I found these things. And I've got to say, I went straight on Amazon and ordered 14 of them. And they are uh, fruit crisps. Crunchy red apple. Crunchy red apple fruit crisps. They're, they're crunchy. The ingredients are apple and RSPO sustainable palm oil. That's bad, isn't it? It's sustainable. Oh, yeah. It's palm oil. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's 62 cows. It's 62 cows. It's 15 grams. don't know. I mean, I suppose... Emily Fruit Crisps have done quite well out of this podcast, haven't they? If this bit makes the cut. <laughs> they've certainly done all right. I mean, they've done all, all right with your t- a 24-hour turnaround of an order there as well to, to oh, eat yeah. instantly. I need these in my house. I need these in my life. Well, I get free Amazon because I did that Amazon podcast. <laughs> it's a good podcast. Uh, genuinely, yours was the first episode I listened to. I've been invited on there and I've not gone on it, on it yet purely because of just... Oh, I'm not going to have anything interesting, but you do, don't you? Essentially, the, the the nature of it is he goes through your entire Amazon order history yeah. and picks out some highlights. And... Well, yeah, it is funny because you do. I don't know how many podcasts you go on, but you sort of. Uh, it's because I was I wrote those books. Yeah, one was coming out. And I thought, oh, I will go on some because it is quite useful to to do, do the odd podcast. Yeah, but actually, there's some really nice ones out there. And when um, it's a bit like Sean Keaveney's one. When I heard about the concept for that, you just think, "Oh, that's quite, that's nice." Yeah. I mean, it is nice, isn't it? He, you literally give him your code for your Amazon. Yeah. And and I actually thought I didn't know how far back he could go. I thought you could only go back about a month. So when I gave him the code, I logged on the next morning, and he says, "Well, we'll kick off in two thousand and three," uh, and <laughs> I couldn't believe what was happening. He's got everything. I love it. And and really, there's so much stuff gets ordered over the years you don't really have the um the time or actually the energy to go through it all and vet it so you just are sort of thinking it all the time i wonder i wonder what the worst thing i've bought on amazon is exactly that's it that's what's scary is you hand over your hand over your details i remember doing when J- J- james acaster had a show where you just put your iphone on shuffle or ipod on shuffle and yeah. it brings things up and he was saying he had a problem that people had put together a playlist of credible stuff because they don't want the dog shit really? to come out. Um, really? Wow. And again, I'd instantly go there with the Amazon thing, thinking, right, where's the bits that don't make me look like a dickhead? Yeah, yeah, you just you don't want to sit there for an hour talking to Tom Price, wondering whether he's, when he's going to bring the whip up. <laughs> <laughs> Open with the whip, Tom, for the love of God. <laughs> I mean, he bought up the Lucy Benjamin Dancer Size DVD, but did, again, yeah. it spawned a wonderful story, and you had a genuine. I'm not going to make you tell it because people should go and listen. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't have regrets about buying Lucy Benjamin Dancer Size videos. How can you? The the the, the, the one I do want to talk about though, because I've I will have them on my list as well, and I could only order them in packs of like f- five. Is the old Humane Mousetrap? So looking at, looking at one now. Yeah, I've got one behind my sofa as we speak because mm-hmm. it sounds like I did similar to you. I put I popped a humane mousetrap down. 
Mm. I went up to bed and I thought I heard a noise and it's in the kitchen. I thought, I can't really have heard that. I'm just being paranoid. I went yeah. down, there it was. I take it out, I release it. How far do you think I went, Tim? Uh, I think you went, well, obviously not far enough, but I, th- I think you went about <laughs> th- 30 metres. Yeah, I went more than that. But as you say, yeah. not far enough because a week later or maybe a few days l- l- later, old Mousy Boy's found his way home and he's he's eating yeah. he's eating my protein powder so if anything yeah your, pro- your protein powder if anything he's if anything he's going to be yeah. harder to get rid of, of this time well, he's, definitely. Well, he's yeah, on the weights if he keeps eating that it'll be the same shape as you then you're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> I won't go to a solder with him I tell you that <laughs> certainly not in Italy I can't handle that moment so how was your mouse experience they're funny, aren't they? And I, is it I, continued? I, I, because it can be just a you can't you can't shake the buggers. No, once you've shaken, I, I shook them. <laughs> I mean, I got rid of a few, and it was in lockdown, so I don't know whether you could have pest control. I don't think you, but maybe you could. Maybe that was mm. essential. I certainly didn't have pest control. Let's put it that way. And I went humane just because. Um, I mean, they're poor little mice, aren't they? But I think my main reason for going humane is I can't. I didn't love the idea of. Um, having to sort of return to a trap and there's this mouse in it. I used to squashed. live with a squashed mouse. I used to live in a, with a flatmate and he just took care of business on that side of things. <laughs> and actually, to be fair to the guy, and this is not a criticism, he, he, he took a sort of a relish in it. But no, I'm kind of I'm kind of humane mousetrap and I think there is a little bit of more of strategy in there. It feels like... Did you, have you ever had a, a moment where you've got the humane mousetrap set up and then, hang on, is that a funny noise? It's it's rain. My, is it really? I'm suddenly in an absolute... Honestly, I've never seen anything like it. It's rain like I've never seen outside my house. That's what you're hearing. Whereas b- bright sun in London. I've never seen the likes of this sun. <laughs> we really are chalk and cheese, aren't we? We really are. <laughs> well, um, yeah, the mouse. I had a, a humane mousetrap at one point just centre of lounge. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sat on the sofa, I'm watching my Tiger King and just mouse, just walking around, just doing anything but going into this humane mouse. You can't make them go in, can you? No, truly an evening of cat and mouse, it would seem, with your Tiger King. Yeah. See, because yeah. Tiger Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah, the cat is on the telly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mouse. Big cat. The yeah, mouse, mouse. Avoiding, yeah. The, uh, avoiding the humane... I know. Humane trap. <laughs> so, yeah, I eventually caught one. There, there is a satisfaction of, you, you're right, the, the, it's like, you know, all the adrenaline. Noises. The adrenaline is crazy. It's adrenaline. Genuinely. I've, I've caught three now, and the adrenaline, I, I thought I'd get, I'd get used to it. The adrenaline every time, like, oh, my God, there's a, a live mouse in there. Oh, my God. There's a live mouse, yeah. And, but, but it's when you hear that, it's just such a small noise. Just goes, <laughs> and you just do the hem and fist pump, and you're like, we're, we're, we're in. It's one of those noises, like in sport, you know, that... All all noises in sport just have their own beauty, like a, a leather against willow in cricket or the sound of a tennis ball being struck. Yeah. And now I think this one goes into my top ten, the sound of the humane mousetrap door pinging closed. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it is. It's a classic. And, and, and I found, because my mouse or mice or yeah. mouses got cleverer. So yeah, I, I, I learned. And, 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 and bolder. And bolder, yeah. I, I'd put some kind of crumb type thing in there or some bread or whatever else that, that they'd managed to get in and get out without getting caught so i learned that you have to put something like a peanut butter that they have to spend some time in there eating they can't just grab and go and that oh, was the uh, that was that's the, a good 
that's a good idea. The key to to keep them yeah. in there. I my mine was allergic, so I had to use um, biscuits. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good choice. You don't want him going having no. into going into anaphylactic shock. No, because he doesn't. When he comes out of his mouse hole, he doesn't bring his pen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm probably going to ease up on the going th- through the podcast now because I do want to talk to you about serious stuff as well. But I do okay. want you to know that I've got a page worth of notes on Moon Under the Water. Have I've you? got I've got the anatomy of the lash. I've got the pl- the pre lash, which is optional as brutal pre lash. The sly lash, the lash, the side lash, the mm. post lash, the moonlight mm. lash, and then a couple of Stellas in bed to uh, yeah. To get you off the, to sleep. The Stella's in bed. Did I say Stella's in bed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, th- you threw Jesus that in there as an option. Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you remember any of the... Pick, do you remember any of the drinks you chose? Because let's face it, it's off menu for drinks, isn't it? It's off drinks menu. They could it have, is off drinks They menu. could have called it off drinks menu. Yeah. I do remember a couple of the drinks, actually. And, and one of them, I would say, is definitely my dad's homebrew. Yeah. Bill Key's homebrew. Bill Key's homebrew, and I think probably an amaretto might be in there as well. Amaretto was in there, and, and I think they brought you an amaretto, if I remember rightly, on stage, because it was a live one. Of, uh... It was a live one. It's, in, it's an interesting show. I mean, I've heard a couple of them. Actually, I need to listen to a couple more, because they had Izzy City on, and I thought I'd listen to that before I went on. Or was it before? Yeah, because with some of them, it's quite useful to like just work out what's going on yeah. a bit. yeah. And some of them I try not to listen to at all. Like off menu, I try not to listen to really, and then listen to it loads afterwards. Yeah, but with um, you, you'd not listen to my episode, but yeah, loads. Other other than other than <laughs> yeah, yeah, other loads. than that, loads. Yeah, but a bit, but I'd be going backwards. Yeah, reverse order. If I started, if I started at the top and, and skipped the ones that I wasn't that interested in, then you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I listened to them interviewing Izzy City, and it's really just the sort of deterioration particularly of john that you're listening to i mean they do he does half of it and then they have a break and then does the second half and even listening back but then in the edit it's all scrunched up a little bit yeah so you just listen to it for an hour and it's all normal and obviously you're listening to it in the daytime so you're just not drunk either and so it gets to about 40 minutes and you've got a very drunk host (laughs) and by drunk i mean literally slurring his words (laughs) Well, I mean, speaking of drunk hosts, and no, actually, but before we we go on to um, no more jockeys, I will just quickly do my recap of the Richard Herring podcast, and that was essentially just him spending an hour trying to convince you to rebrand to Tim Key, yeah, rather yeah. than than Tim Key. Yeah. Other than that, all the classics: Partridge, r- 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 Russia, Footlights. Yeah. T- oh, Tim, yeah, yeah. He's a, the Tim Key rebrand. Yeah. 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 Um, tell me about no more more jockeys, mate. You know I'm a huge fan, and it's wonderful. And as said, when I've watched the live ones, there has been some deterioration from from Mister Horn as he's got more and more drunk. He's normally the one that becomes a fucking drunken mess. Um, and again, oh, really good And again, <laughs> in the edit, in the edit, you never notice that. You tune into a live one, and there is there is hours of Horn just acting up. Yeah. How did that come about? Because I said, I genuinely, I've messaged you and Alex about it. I think during that first lockdown, it was, or that whole year of lockdowns, it was my, I thought it was the best TV show. I thought it was better than Taskmaster. All the work Alex puts into Taskmaster, fuck that off. No more jockeys. Get drunk. You, him, Mark Watson playing a word game. Hmm. 
Yeah, uh, we were very lucky to, to have it as well from our side. It was definitely my a, a, a highlight of lockdown. We did it about 2002, I think. Me and Mark were just naming... I think we were just somehow naming famous people. And I, and I think I said to him, how many, um, how many famous people do you think you could name? And he said, um, thousand? <laughs> how about you? And I said, I don't know, 5,000 probably. And he said, well, go on then. And then I started naming <laughs> 5,000 famous people. So I'd go, well, you know, Thatcher... Charles Dickens, and then I think I sort of went Bosnich, Mark Bosnich, Schmeichel, Grzivich, Grobelar, and then he goes, oh, okay, no more goalkeepers. <laughs> and that was how it started. That's where it was born. I love it. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd name a few more people, and then he, he told me I couldn't name them anymore, and then just gradually from there, oh, this might be quite interesting, actually. Mm. And then we, yeah, then we started playing alternatively and knocking out categories. So, yeah, if, in case anyone is not familiar with the game, that's how it works. You just have to name a famous person and remove a category that they would fall into. But not always, like, their job. It can be Eartha Kitt. No, no more people who... Um, <laughs> I, I'm, no, I'm not very good at this game, but... <laughs> no, more people, no more people whose name is two nouns with um, an, an extra letter on each one, accidentally. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. No more j- job gloves, etc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... So, yeah, so then we just kind of used to play it, you know, when me and Mark were just kind of um, starting out and driving around doing shows and things, and then me, Mark, and Alex would play it, and then we'd go on tour and stuff, and it would be our kind of version of I Spy. And then we did we filmed a few, like about 2009, I think, um, but then just put it down for another 13 years. And then um, in lockdown, Mark said, maybe we should try and do No More Jockeys, and we did it. Weirdly, Zoom was very important to it because yeah. I think we'd thought about pitching it as a radio show, but could never really work exactly work out exactly how that would be. But what we didn't, do, everything came together at once because we were now a Zoom show with all three of our faces all visible at all times. Yeah, and it was now a sort of drunken show, which had never been before. Yeah, and then we had an editor, Hymen, who would just get you know got it immediately and worked out how to do it. And I think the first time we did it. The edit he sent back would be going into full screen each time one of us spoke. Yeah. And we got rid of that straight away and made it... Because, like you say with Horn, you just want it to be... You want to be able to observe everything that's going on. Just look at all three <laughs> yeah. and think, what the fuck is Mark thinking? Yeah. And and Horn will be sort of, you know, fiddling with, a, you know, some paint or something in his little square. And um, Mark will be trying to think of who it, who he can possibly say. And, and it's all... Um, it all kind of works as a fully formed thing straight away when Hyman sent this thing back. We had this 25-minute thing, which I remember watching it back and thinking, well, I, f- I find this quite funny, actually. Yeah. Or, the, or, or, or that's the beauty of it. It rests on the friendship of you three as well. Obviously, the format is great, but the fact that you three know each other so and make each other laugh so much, it's not like there's Tim's the funny one and Alex, like, you all crack each other up and that's that makes it a joy to... Yeah. to get through and sit through. But that's all, like, that's kind of... Yeah, that's such a big part, I think, of... of certainly for me, when I'm socialising, it's a really fun thing and a real kind of uh, buzz to make someone laugh. Yeah. And actually, I really find with um, with both of those, weirdly, the way they fit into my life, I really find it very enjoyable to make either of them laugh. Yeah. And, I mean, I suppose, in a way, particularly Horn, only because Horn is 
Horn's persona is deadpan. <laughs> and so it's so it it feels so um fun yeah. to just suddenly see Horn in spite of himself. Laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and always about there's never anything at all, you know, intellectual or intelligent about it. It's just, you know, just managing to unsteady him by the a, a, a moment of complete stupidity almost always. Yeah, it's a really fun way to spend time. And also a lot of people, obviously, now that we're back in the, in the real world, come up to us separately and say it was really good to have it. In, like you just said, in lockdown, yeah. it was really nice to have that that thing to look forward to. But we had, obviously, the same thing from our end where you just don't have anything <laughs> in your diary. Yeah. And the stuff you do have in your diary is stuff where, like, someone said, oh, should we do a quiz? And you're like, hmm, OK, fine. So to have something which was, like, felt constructive and creative and really social in your diary was was a really fun thing. It's amazing the things that can not appeal even when you've got a completely empty diary. I had numerous Zoom quiz invites and stuff like that where I've been sitting around going, I just want to do something. So I was like, oh, we're doing yeah. a Zoom quiz on Friday. Not that. Nah, <laughs> nah I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, well, speaking of, of lockdown and your boredom, let's finally get get round to your books because mm. they're bloody beautiful man the design of them and everything they feel like religious texts i don't know if you i was a little catholic schoolboy, and we'd go to church on the regular and this feels like the books you'd have at, at church and so on and so forth obviously the content is very different but how did they come about um and tell me a bit about the creation of them yeah in the first week of lockdown i started writing some poems about lockdown mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a kind of unknown thing of how you deal with a lockdown as a, uh, I mean, as a creative person, as a person as well. The yeah. lockdown was a bit, a bit of a handful. And I remember writing a couple of poems and just not knowing whether you were, should be doing that, basically. Yeah. Because that first week of lockdown, there's literally um, footage from Italy of which you sort of assume, oh, that's the next bit in our lockdown, where it's... It's going mad. I mean, it's like people are, you know, people are, are dying from from this virus. Yeah. And so you don't know whether it's in poor taste to even, uh, you know, pick up your pen. And I sort of was writing, obviously wasn't writing about COVID, but was writing about lockdown. And then it got to about a weekend and I wasn't really sure whether I should be doing that. And then I was posting them on Instagram and then I posted one and it got a good reaction. I thought, okay, that gave me a kind of spur. And after that, I just posted every day and I, and I really liked doing it. And it wasn't, it was about lockdown. It was about this mad thing that everyone was suddenly having to do as this sort of shared experience. And then I started writing um, dialogues after I spoke to my parents on, on Zoom one day. I wrote, it was such a stupid conversation that I wrote it down. Yeah. And then I wrote another couple of conversations down and there was sort of a mixture, hybrid of real what actually happened in the conversation, but with a little bit of creative license. Mm. And after about a month, I had like um, 30 pages of something. I didn't know what it was. And then meanwhile, I had a, I'd made a couple of things with a friend called Emily Juniper, who's the designer who's... Who did the cards um, as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. And we'd, we'd always wanted to work with each other. And she made a, a couple of posters for my shows. And then she made an amazing play script of one of the shows with all of the words beautifully illustrated wow. yeah and then we made a pack of playing cards would have been about a year before the lockdown and then i just sent her you know 30 pages of stuff and said 
do you think this can be a book? And she's in her bit of the country, in Falmouth, also, obviously, like everyone, just in this kind of space of bereftness where everything you're, you're doing is kind of disrupted or taken away from you. And so she came back, I think, almost before I sent the email, really, saying, I definitely will do this, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. 100%, and just, let's do this. I know, so then I'd just send the stuff and she'd send it back and gradually she you know, turned it into a kind of a, a design and a kind of flavour that was like no, no other book I'd ever seen. And that spurred me on to go, okay, this is definitely now going to be a book. And then as the stuff was coming through, she was enjoying the stuff. So she was thinking, good, I need to like design this really well. And so, yeah, it was the most kind of very even and enjoyable and also really uh, useful collaboration that probably either of us have ever done because it was just so kind of it it certainly gave me a lot of direction and a lot of purpose in that in that first lockdown yeah well i mean i'll start to wrap things up as we're coming up to an hour and i want to get out in this rain um exactly um speaking of coming out of it I've, I've I've got a really weird. I've I've literally written down the question of what do you want. Oh yeah, but, but yeah. I mean it. I mean it because what are your goals? Because you've touched upon writing screenplays and scripts. You've obviously been doing comedy for a, a, a long time, and the acting is going amazingly, from what I can see. You, you're popping up in so many good things. Witchfinder, which we've not even touched upon. Part of that is because. It's a medieval thing based in Essex. And have you seen my face and heard my voice? Unbelievable that I didn't get a phone call. But um, (laughs) what what are your goals kind of going forward? um, Well, I mean, I really want to carry on doing the stuff I'm doing. So I want to do more live stuff. And I'm enjoying enjoying that. Um, I want to do more radio stuff. I've got a radio show which we, we've done like a few series and now we've got uh <laughs> i want i want to get and i want to i mean it's a bit partridge really but it's slightly it's slightly give me another series i said <laughs> i think i think they've sort of given me series stop, stop giving me series for a bit and i want them to start giving me series again because i really love making that so i'd like to do that stuff that i'm already doing and i'd like to write another book in the same kind of way but yeah. hopefully not about another lockdown and then yeah I w- i'd love to write write and be in something, you know, on screen. Mm. It's easier said than done, you know. And I, I and there's no there's no real hurry, but I'm kind of constantly, you know, I'm, you're probably the same as me. You, you carry a notepad and you kind of think, hmm, some things come, things come to you and you kind of jot them down and stuff like that. But then coming from the other direction where you go, what, what could I write a film about or, uh, mm. you know... So all of those things have just been constantly being mulled over for the last 10 years. And so at some point, hopefully, one or other of a a, a, a TV thing or a, or a film thing, will someone will say, you can make that, and, I, and I'll do that. But I mean, other than that, I'm kind of pretty, you know, pretty happy with creatively what I'm up to. I'm kind of quite fortunate that I can... Uh, make something and then people can you know have an audience who can watch it yeah exactly i mean that's what i was going to say that the 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 film and tv thing it's so weird because it's such a slow process that's out of your control so it can be a really weird transition and i'm going through it with a few scripts i've had in development that have hit walls and stuff like that going from the music which i could completely do off my own back 
I put it out, it's there. The podcast, all these things that you're in control of, to suddenly be in an industry where you have to wait for someone's permission as such is really odd. You can't just go, oh, oh, let's make this then, because they're like, well, no, we need to tell you that we can. And it's yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird transition. It is a weird transition, and that's that's the that's the equation basically is, and that and that's why I I feel very grateful that I have an audience and and I can just if I want put a show on in um in Angel or you know somewhere in London in front of eighty people and I could do that next week and tweet about it and they put their put it on their mailing list and I have these people and they can come and watch the show yeah. so that'll always be a very attractive thing um, purely in terms of not going out of your mind because yeah. Even in the lockdown, I remember that first week or two, looking at, you know, a blank piece of paper and thinking, do I try and write a sitcom? Mm. And meanwhile, I'm sort of just scribbling down these things that are coming to me quite naturally, these poems and things, and thinking, after about two or three weeks, this could be something. And I kind of feel very grateful that I didn't accidentally go the other way. And, of course, it could have been really useful because I could have maybe written something that got made. I hate the uh, the idea, looking back, that I didn't make the book because I tried to make something that didn't actually accrue into anything in the end. Yeah, yeah. And with the book, because I'm, that's another avenue I definitely have with them because I have Emily and she and I can get it done. And mm. She does everything. She publishes the book. So we can just do that. Psychologically, it works for me that if I know I'm writing something and as, I'm, as the, the ink is coming from the pen... I know that the word that I'm writing down at some point later that year or the following year, someone's going to read that. Yeah. It, it, it makes a slight psychological difference to me. Yeah. And the same as if it's a live thing, I know as I'm writing it down that I'll be performing that to someone. Whereas it's the same as you. If, if there's like a, a film script, which I've, I've got a couple in the past where I've written a film script, and then you look back on it and think, that's mad that I spent all that time writing that script. And nothing's ever happened to it, yeah. It's it's like making about it's it's like making a, about sort of you know forty five kilos of risotto and not feeding it to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Hearing you say that, I went almost the opposite in in the lockdown. I worked on a load of, of different scripts, and it yeah. was a weird thing of kind of there's at least one that I finished, adored, but then I moved on to the next one, and now that's the one I'm trying to push. I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. how about that? Oh, I spent a year on that one. I spent yeah. the whole first year on that, but now I'm focused on on this next one. But, but that is a really useful way of working, I think. If you can, I think a, a worse way is if you did that first one and then you had the idea for the second one and decided not to pursue it because you wanted to just focus on that first yeah. one. Yeah, it was the advantage, you said, of of the lockdown. The, the first script I ever wrote, it went in, into development and the people at Walt had to take me aside and say, work on other stuff, mate. Because this could take eight years to get made. Because I was exactly that. I was like, I've written it. Yeah. This is it. This is yeah. the thing. This is the piece. But yeah, it's fucking weird, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good to have other uh, other outlets. And I, and I mean, the the flip side of looking at it is I, I've got I've got friends who are really focused and have sort of shut down other areas, like shut down doing yeah. live stuff and um, and acting and things. And I have friends who are like, well. Like specifically Stefan Goloszewski, who I used to be in a sketch group with, who now uh, since then has written him and her, and then he wrote Mum. Right. Like he's amazing, he's insane. And but he's got a different sort of approach where, and he's 
he's very good live comedian and stuff, but just eschewed all of that and just focused and wow. just tries to get as good as possible at writing stuff. And the results are that every two or three years, <laughs> he'll just put something out and you'll go... Ch- Oh yeah, there were there were definitely advantages to focusing. Turns out a masterpiece every every yeah. couple of years. Oh, okay. Basically, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we f- finish, I just want to know what is your c- cinema routine? Have you got a cinema routine? Are you a fan of quiet cinemas? Are you a, da- a daytime cinema guy? Are you a lot of food and drink? Tell me. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not a lot of food and drink. I I went to my last cinema guy was last Friday. And actually, I saw The Batman. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? It was okay. I found it quite humourless. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what... Actually, did I enjoy it? I don't think it was that... I don't think it was good enough. Okay, I like it. I like your honesty. I mean, I I like the one with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know... I haven't seen it since, so I don't know how it stands up. But I kind of like... I don't think I'm a Batman aficionado, but I do think... It's quite good when it's quite. I don't know. I quite like it when it's quite playful, like a bit playful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't. This wasn't very playful. No, it wasn't playful at all. It was very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think this was how. It really reminded me of how I used to go to the cinema. I think I used to really love that to mm. to, to watch a film in the day is kind of. Or you, it's a French benefit. I can't of, remember. Of, I can't remember which podcast it was, but one of the podcasts you mentioned a daytime cinema thing again. Exactly as as any kind of entertainer, you get yeah. that advantage, except you in do. the holidays. You do, and I don't use it because um, I think I definitely have. I might have said this on the same podcast that you're talking about, but I think it's that thing of um, I tend to. I'm getting a bit bit better at it now, but in terms of like writing, I I kind of set aside a whole day, and it, the day just gradually gets stolen away from me and it yeah. becomes two and then it's five and then it's seven. You're like, oh dear. And I actually think a better way of doing it is to allocate a morning or allocate three hours and have other stuff around it that you're really looking forward to. And then that's exactly just... how I do it. My biggest problem is how much I reward myself. I'll get an mm. hour's writing done and I'll be like, right off to the cinema then, or get a takeaway. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well, well done. You've done very well. It's like I've done yeah. fuck all done an hour's yes. work, but yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm pretty good to myself rewards wise. <laughs> <laughs> Minor achievements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this cinema trip was uh, walk past cinema, look at times, realize one's, Absolutely about to start. Go into cinema. No coffee. No sweeties. Unbelievable. This is yep. heartbreaking. No wonder yep. you didn't enjoy it. Well, I just had a coffee and just had loads of sweeties. All right, and then sit in there. And I think I enjoyed everything about it, apart from the film, really. I mean, it was it was nice cinema. It's warm. It's warm. And you're not on your phone. Yeah. And um, you can sort of, you know, you know, have a good old think and try and work out who the actors are. I'm not really good at actors, so I'm just sort of looking at the actors and thinking, fair place to these guys. I love the idea of you just staring, trying to figure out who's who. Where do I know him from? Yeah, walking down the steps and standing right in front of the screen with my hands on my hips, looking at the penguin. (laughs) You're up and down. (laughs) Who the fuck are you? (laughs) I know him. I know him. I definitely know his eyes. 
Yeah, the eyes I know. I don't know his shape. <laughs> and shape's a big thing to you. So, yeah. um, what should people know about the books? As said, are available. Have you just done your Soho show? Oh uh, it... yeah, just finished the Soho show, and yeah. then we're going to go. Um, we're going to do it at the Pleasance in Caledonian Road. Lovely. And then we might add. We might add some more. Maybe in a month's time, there'll be more. More information on that. Yeah. But certainly, uh, the books are very much available. Um, they're called Here We Go Around the Mulberry Bush and He Used Thought as a Wife. I'd say, I think you just can Google them and then you'll find... They're, they're, they're in, amazingly, they're in bookshops. They're available all over the place. Do you, did, mm. do you enjoy touring? Because it's, it. it's only j- just occurred to me. I seem to notice you doing a lot of, here's a run of shows at one venue. Yeah. Is, is that more your thing or do you do a lot more kind of... No, what happened was... No, with this show, the show is much like the book. It's really kind of um, it's lockdown, mm. the same as the same as the same as the book. I mean, I'm, I, it's a fun show. I mean, it's kind of quite expansive. It's kind of quite expansive and uh, enjoyable. But the thing was, I never knew um, how much people would be open to listening to that, to mm. talking about the lockdown. And um, as as I've gone along doing it, I've only ever done stuff about lockdown since the lockdown started. And it's been really fun, and it's kind of tonally, it's not, it's not sad. And, and like I say, there's nothing about COVID. It's all about that mad period of our lives, really, about those crazy rules that were suddenly there, and mm. and all of that, and you know this peculiar situation everyone was in. And but I didn't know as I was doing it how long it would be relevant to listen to, and, and whether or not. I'd actually just stop doing it at some point. So it felt a bit odd to say, I'm going to do a tour of this in one year's time. Yeah. So the reason I've done these shorter things is because I basically got off the Soho Theatre where they said, in three weeks' time, do you want to do a three-week run? And that's easier in my mind to manage because I'm doing shows at the time thinking, well, this is going absolutely fine. So it will be fine still in three weeks' time. Yeah. But now I think I'm more of a mind that... um, Actually, this would be okay in a year. Yeah, you know, and I'll do other stuff and then come back and do. It. And so I, I, I'd like to tour it, but it's just all you know, a bit of organisation and stuff. You, basically, these not these days, probably always. You have to book a tour quite far out. <laughs> yeah, and that's not yeah. to, it's not so you can sell the tickets. It's just because the venues don't have availability. In if you say, can I come and do your theatre next Sunday? <laughs> no, they sort of go. We've got plans. Not really. <laughs> yes, we've got sort of um, uh, Rob Beckett and the Manic Street Preachers um, next week. So you kind of have to, you know, o- organise it and, and map it all out a little a little further ahead. But yeah, I, I do I, I do like doing little little runs and things. But yeah, I, it's not it's not in place of touring. It's just that that was why it was kind of that's how that sort of came about. That it it kind of became a a more Londonized thing. Yeah, that initially. makes that makes sense. Is there is there plans? To do any more, no more jockeys, or are you all allowed yeah. out the house now? So, so fuck it that. Is more, <laughs> it is more difficult to coordinate and stuff. I mean, literally, we would just meet on, on Thursday nights at nine thirty. Yeah, and then as 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 the thing unlocked, me and Mark would meet in real life at seven and have a few drinks, and then amazingly, I'd then bomb off on my bike and see it. him half an hour later online. But yeah, we've, we've, we're we're well into the guts of a new series. Love so it. hopefully uh, that will come out, and uh, that I'll, you can add it to your show notes if it's about to come out. I'll let you know. Yeah, perfect. It's, it's not 
imminent, imminent, but it's it's around the corner. It's visible. Yeah, you can it's, see its shape. I can, I can totally see its shape, and I love it. <laughs> well, I don't love actually. I don't love its shape. I mean, in terms of the, how the results are going, but well, but I love its general shape. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and overcoming the technical difficulties. It's been a pleasure as ever, sir. Thank you, Scribius. Uh, Hopefully I'll see you IRL soon. Yeah, I hope so. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Tim Key. I hope you enjoyed that chat. I know it was a weird one. Apologies to anyone who found that too weird. That I just spent most of the time making Tim up f- feel awkward trying to remember previous podcast appearances. B- but we've got to make fun for ourselves in these stressful times. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week. As said... Tim has two books out. I can't recommend them enough. Here we go round the Mulberry Bush and he used Thought as a Wife. They are brilliant. He is brilliant. Go and watch No More Jockeys. Just check everything that Tim does out. He's wonderful. Oh, and if you've not watched uh, The Witchfinder on iPlay yet, get through that. It's fantastic. Oh, did, did you hear the noise that my throat made then? I don't know if it picked up a mic, but it made a really weird noise. So I think that means it's time to go. I'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ditta.